0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Baisley cash me out.
0: There you go. <laughs> nice. Horford catches, kicks, Dort for the win. It's good catch fire three and that is good. For the lead, Alexander got it the Thunder lead by
1: one what is up Thunder fans and welcome to the uncontested post game podcast um, I am your host for tonight or at least was your host tonight in the locker room chat Taylor um, had another uh, really fun post game. In the locker room app, so be sure to download that. I I know uh, some of you guys have Androids and it's not quite yet available, but I promise you they're working on it. So please be patient with us um, because we're excited to get you guys involved as well. Um, However, tonight I broke down the 129 to 102 loss to the Cleveland Cavaliers, the battle of the tanks that the Thunder actually won, if you put it that way. So, you know, glass half full um, or hopefully more full than that, as <laughs> the Thunder drop another one to help improve that draft positioning. But also there was a lot of fun th- things to break down from this game. Um, I, I, broke down the game in general, went into some positives and some negatives. Um, and then there was some Thunder signing news, um, of some players that they're potentially bringing in overseas, from overseas, um, as well as, a, 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 actually this was dropped, I guess, before, um, Darius Miller was waived per, uh, Sham Sharania of The Athletic. But, nevertheless, we broke down uh, some of those potential Thunder players um, that the Thunder could be bringing in, what all of that means moving forward, and just so much more. So, uh, thank you to all of you who tuned in um, to the locker room chat. And uh, thank you to all of you who are tuning in, listening on the podcast forum. Uh, be sure to stay tuned. We will have you guys covered for Saturday's nice game against the Sixers, um, as well as next week, another full slate. So, without further ado, here was my post game breakdown on the locker room map. Thank you, guys, all for for joining in, uh, tuning in here to the locker room app to join me uh, for this post game breakdown and a little more. As I hinted at earlier, as the Thunder end up losing quite a bit to the Cleveland Cavaliers, one twenty nine to one hundred two, or in other words, you know, glass half full, the Thunder out tanked the Cleveland Cavaliers, one twenty nine to one hundred two. Guys, just from the from the very beginning. It was a back to back for the Thunder as they played last night against the uh, against the Hornets. We saw Poku and Teo just have awesome games. Not so much tonight. We'll dive into that a little bit, but a lot of guys, including those two, looking very tired. Not only was it a back to back to back, but it was the third game in four nights. Um, and if you go back to, I believe, last Saturday, they they also had just wrapped up another three game. And four nights. Um, they had a break in between on Sunday, started another three games and four nights on Monday, and the Thunder, and this isn't an excuse because this is many, many teams in the league right now, um, have been playing a lot of games in a shortened period of time. A lot of that due to uh, not only you know COVID protocols and guys missing games and having to cancel and reschedule games, but also just this shortened, not even shortened season, but this compressed season um, due to COVID and the bubble ending late last season, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So Thunder have been playing a lot of games. Not only. Have they been playing a lot of games? But they've had a lot of quote unquote injuries. You know, kind of put the quotations around injuries because uh, you know Lou has been out for like what almost two weeks now with a quote unquote concussion. <laughs> but you have guys like Roby and Josh Hall who genuinely do have concussions. Um, Muskie being Musky being held out with a ankle injury. Um, Horford sitting out the rest of the season essentially, but still on the bench, which was awesome to see. Um, Basley still a little banged up, uh, battling that that shoulder injury, and then obviously Shays' um, uh, foot injury, his pointer, the side of studies he's battling currently. So um, Thunder didn't have a ton of players. They haven't had a ton of players over the past couple of weeks and played a lot of games. And that definitely showed tonight. So just a super quick, uh, super quick breakdown of the game for those of you who weren't able to watch, because I feel like a lot of the things I took from this kind of came <laughs> um, almost from um, the first half, like the pauses. a lot of that came from the first half. Uh, the second half, not a ton to take from it just because, like I mentioned earlier, there's so many games being played um, in such a short period of time and the Thunders were handed. So just uh, – and, and, you know, gives me some content content to talk about because that, that first half genuinely was fun for the Thunder. Tao comes out firing, scored eight of the Thunder's first for 14 points Spee um, was hitting from outside. He was looking good again after kind of struggling over the past week or so. Um, you know, that, that first week or two with the Thunder, he really uh, was looking great um, all the way up to last week. And then this week he struggled some, but it seemed like in the first quarter he really kind of started to get it going. Uh, once more, Kenrich hit a, a big three-point shot and just was, was doing Kenrich things, which I'll get into. I, I love him so much. Uh, <laughs> then Poku had a stretch where he finally got it going. I say finally. Um, he really kind of started to get it going about midway through the first quarter, towards the end of the first quarter, uh, kind of like he was last night when he was just going off. He kind of struggled. Uh, he, he didn't make his shots early on in this game, but had a stretch in the first that it, took, it looked like the poker from last night. So at the end of the first, the Thunder all tied up at 38 points. Thunder shot 62.5% from the field and 66.7% from three. I actually didn't put the attempts here, but they were on pretty high attempts. Uh, I mean, again, 38 points each for you. <laughs> For each team, at after the end of the first, uh, both teams were just firing. Colin Sexton was hot, obviously Garland. Um, Both teams were just firing. It was a lot of fun. Um, Second quarter happens. The Thunder keep the shooting going, but Teo and Poku both kind of struggled to score there. Uh, A lot of that was due to you know Poku kind of struggled, so Dagon took him out, and then Teo had two early fouls, so Dagan took him out as well. But the under the under the other Thunder players shot up. Gosh. Shot up. They stepped up. Sorry, I'm reading ahead. They shot 55.6 percent from the field, 50 percent from three. Um, And something that was interesting to me at halftime, the rebounds were nearly identical for each team, but the Thunder only made it to the line five times to the Cavs' 16, and the Cavs had 15 points off of 11 OKC turnovers. So yes, the Thunder were making shots in the first half, but they're turning the ball over way more than the Cavaliers were, and the Cavs are making them pay for it. And uh, e- even with even rebounding, um, that's really kind of where I think the uh, the first half <laughs> uh, the Thunder kind of gave the Cavs the upper hand, and from there the Cavs basically just didn't look, didn't look back. They come out in the third. Garland guarded Poku, seemed really kind of to fluster him. That's something I will kind of want to dive into here in a little bit. Um, Poku really kind of seemed to struggle with a more aggressive defender on him, obviously smaller than him by quite a, quite a bit, but I thought that was a great adjustment there by Cleveland at halftime really kind of got, got up into Poku's grill and caused him to make some turnovers for some shots. And that really kind of got him off rhythm for the rest of the game. Um, Ty Jerome caught fire. Uh, oh, sorry. Uh, Cavs got off to an 8 0 run. They, and like I said, they didn't really look back. They thunder got outscored twenty eight to 14, the third and uh Garland got it going. Kevin Love looked really great. A little bit of resurgence there. It's good to see him healthy again. And uh, Isaac Okoro got going as well. I really like what I saw from him. I think it's going to be a really fun player to follow for the Cavs moving forward. Um, but the fourth quarter, not a ton happened. But just a couple things I wanted to mention. Kenrich continued to fight, um, diving all over the floor for loose balls, getting rebounds, jump balls, and it got to the point where he was bleeding, had to be taken out of the game. And this might have happened towards the end of the third quarter when he actually started bleeding. He still comes back into the game. Just remind me of Nick Collison. I just had to mention that. Uh, you know, he he's always making those kind of Nick collison like plays. Even though they played kind of different positions, have different styles of play. They're always in the right position. Super high IQ guys, um, battling for loose balls, like I mentioned. Uh, rebounds. Uh, Kendrick just had some incredible cuts, especially on the baseline there in the second half, and that was a major highlight for me uh, in the fourth. Um, and then I think I, I kind of hinted they're accidentally. Got to this point when I was going through the third quarter. But Ty Drum caught fire and continued to make shots. He sets a new career high, which we'll get into. And then something just kind of fun. Dignall plays the twin tower lineup of Moses Brown and Tony Bradley together. Um, nothing really happened when he did it, but we got to see it. So, you know, there, there we are. So the Thunder, uh, like I said, they looked like a shorthanded team tonight. That was just absolutely exhausted. Um, not to make excuses at all, but they looked exhausted. But the Thunder improved their pick with a Thunder loss and a Cavs win. And OKC is now going to be tied with the Cavs and the Wizards in the loss column with two more games against the Wizards coming up and just a lot of games over next week, honestly, and like a, a, a next week or two in, in a short amount of time where, again, it's, it's going to be a, a couple back-to-backs, some traveling. Um, it, it's going to be kind of tough even if the competition, um, I guess, outside of the uh, Jazz and we have the Sixers coming up um, after that, the teams are kind of in the same tier that we are, but just with all the travel and everything else, the shortened period and the amount of games in a short period, I think is really going to play a factor like we've seen recently. Um, so that was kind of a breakdown of the game, but like I mentioned earlier, I, I have some themes from the game that I want to break down. Um, I like to break each game down to negatives and positives, and I always end on positives. If you guys have listened to us before, you know I always like to end on the positives because I'm a positive person. And then, of course, uh, a lot of fun, Thunder, uh, or not a lot, but some unique and kind of uh, surprising Thunder news today um, that we found out about in terms of the Thunder signing some players, even a mystery player. So stay tuned because after I get through some themes, um, there's some some I'm going to break down some of these potential Thunder signings, and then I want to get you guys up on stage, talk some Thunder basketball, and um, and yeah, yeah. So uh, a lot of fun stuff to talk about here. The negatives, though, let, let's start with the not so fun stuff. The Thunder got out-rebounded 55-48, to 48, and that's not a huge deal. I mean, again, it's so hard to take negatives from this, right, because the Thunder are essentially, essentially playing the OKC blue out there with Poku and with Teo. <laughs> and, yes, I know Poku played in the G League bubble, but those are obviously two guys they have long-term investments in, and then a lot of guys that could potentially – and Kendrick Williams, you could probably throw him in there as well, um, maybe Spi but it's just like a bunch of guys that they don't necessarily have a super long-term investment in yet. They're still kind of filling that out. Again, roster exploration, as dignal has called it so often over the past couple of months, with Teo and with P- Poku. And um, so there's not like a ton of negatives you can take from that, but the Thunder still got out rebounded 55 to 48. And although the broadcast had the list as like 44 to 44, um, I don't think that was correct <laughs> And against a team like the Cavaliers, who weren't really playing a true big outside of Kevin Love, um, that's a game that we've seen here in the past, or the past two weeks or so, where Moses Brown has just tore that up. And bring in Tony Bradley, I know he's still, still trying to get situated, but... Those are two guys that should have had a lot more rebounds tonight than they actually did. Even with Moses getting another double double of rebounds tonight, I feel like he could have had another big game like we've seen from him here a couple of weeks ago. Um, that's a lot of credit to the Cavaliers. Um, kind of a team similar to the Thunder, just playing scrappy. Doesn't matter if they're smaller than the other team; they're come out bite and bite, But still, I felt like the Thunder um, and just the way that they play, they they could have had more rebounds tonight than they did. And I think a lot of that, like I mentioned, has to do with them just being tired. Second like, night of a back to back. A lot of games in a short period. Um, Kind of to that point, and for similar reasons, 15 turnovers for the Thunder tonight. Again, a young and inexperienced team. I mean, you have Teo and Poku essentially as a focal point, (laughs) points on offense uh, with a bunch of young players and a bunch of kind of role players and guys just trying to even make it in the league. That's going to happen. I get that. But also, I think a lot of that had to do with fatigue. So that's something else I just at least needed to mention. Uh, I accidentally clicked on something there. There we go. Uh, Tony Bradley. I mentioned him a little bit ago. So Tony Bradley's really interesting. Um, I heard a lot of positive things about. Or I say I heard. I mean, I, I watched him with the Sixers. Um, he seemed really impressive. Or not. But that's maybe overstating it. He seemed impressive. I liked what I saw from him, especially for the role I thought he would be playing for this team. Um, you know, the, the Sixers fans really talked him up. They said he, he showed real flashes. And I get it coming into a brand new role, mid, not even midway, past midway through the season um, on a team that's not really contending. Um, not only that, but like some of the best players, if not all of the best players are currently sitting out right now. So it's not like he got to kind of start with those guys this season. Right. He's just kind of thrown to the mix here. I understand why he would be struggling. But with all that being said, I kind of thought he'd be a little more effective um, to the point that I even wondered just because I'm not sure that Moses Brown or Tony Bradley either are long-term solutions to the – or sorry, are solutions to uh, being like you know the the long-term center for this Thunder team, this Thunder organization um, with this repositioning, replenish, this rebuild that the Thunder find themselves in. Um, I was expecting a little more out of Tony Bradley, again, especially in a night like tonight. He still looks like a guy who's trying to find his footing. And even then, I'm not even sure if he's like, just from what I've seen, again, and I'm not sure he's quite as aggressive as somebody um, like a Moses Brown even. Um, Five points tonight, four rebounds, two of four shooting, again, just fine. And in six games, he's averaging nine points and six rebounds. That's great for a backup center, especially in this situation. I just thought maybe there'd be a little more there. And um, there hasn't been yet, and I'm not going to judge him too quickly. But again, I mean – This is a post-game breakdown, so for this game, I'm going to throw him in the negatives. I'm just really curious to see how he continues to develop throughout the rest of the season, especially in the OKC organization, and then I'm excited to watch him in the offseason, see, first of all, what they do with him, um, they being the Thunder, and two, um, how does he progress, and what does he look like um, after an offseason under his belt with this organization, if that is what OKC decides to do with them. And then, unfortunately, our guy, Poku, I had to throw him in the negative guys. And you know, it just tears at my soul. I love Poku as much as the next guy. Um, Alexei Goku Shevsky, whenever, uh, you know, he goes super saiyan. That was super nerdy. Uh, but I saw that on, on Thunder Reddit show on um, to all of our Reddit listeners because that was an awesome uh, Photoshop that somebody made. <laughs> and he was just on fire last night. That was so fun to watch. Um, and I, it really kind of showed the potential of what I think Poku could ultimately be. But tonight he kind of came back to you back to earth, three of 12 shooting, four turnovers. um, And he struggled against more aggressive defenders on the perimeter, like I mentioned, especially Garland there at the beginning of the second uh, half. And that really kind of threw him off his game to the point where it kind of got to the point where where Dignall took him out. Um, And part of that was because, I mean, Pocus played a ton of minutes. I know he was tired. Um, We could see it in him um, towards the end of games over the past week. And so I think this was an excuse for Dignall to be able to come in and or to take him out and and just again roster exploration continue to to watch some of these other guys like um Jalen Howard you know had a had a, a a decent game tonight and and kind of stepped in and, and took some minutes from poker there to give Poku a rest. But all that to say, Poku did struggle some tonight. Uh, again, nothing like long-term to take from this. There were still a lot of fun things to take from Poku's night tonight. For example, that step-back three, I can't remember if it was in the first or second quarter, but it was in the first half where he had just this ridiculous step-back three. Um, he had, Like I said, he had a stretch there in the first quarter where he rattled off like five straight points and looked like the Poku that he did last night um, and just some incredible court vision stuff. But still not strong enough with the ball. Um, He's going to continue to have to work on that. Some of that's going to come in the offseason when he improves his physique and continues to get bigger and stronger in a strength and conditioning offseason program with OKC Thunder. Um, And also just more feel for the game and, you know, just (laughs) understanding his height and length and having a smaller, more aggressive defender on him like a uh, Colin Sexton or a Garland. Um, You know, that's going to come with time as well as strength and conditioning, but that's still something he has to work on. And so, again, for tonight specifically, I had to throw him in the negatives. But enough of the negatives. Let's jump into the positives because there were quite a few to take from this game, um, even though it was quite the, the butt whooping. Um, Kendrick Williams. I love Kendrick. I told you guys this Kenny Hustle. And I actually tweeted this out from the account um, during the game. But, it like a preseason, I, I wasn't sure if Kendrick Williams was even going to make the team. Yes, and go back and listen to some of our uh, preseason podcasts when we were breaking down the preseason games. I wasn't even entirely sure if Kendrick would be on this team if the Thunder should cut him and, you know, keep Frank Jackson, like all of us were saying. Um, Kendrick was one of those guys kind of on the line that we weren't sure if he was going to make it or not. So if you would have told me back then that tonight on – what is this? April 8th, 2021 – that I would be tweeting out that every championship contender needs a Kenridge Williams type player, or I said every championship uh, contender needs a Kenridge Williams type player on their team. I would have called you crazy. However, I tweeted that out today because that is exactly uh, the kind of player that you need on a team of super, you know, around uh, a team of, or a couple of superstars at least, right? Um, we keep talking about trying to surround Shea with another superstar, and trying to get that in the draft, at, you know, more elite talent, but. I think the reason we saw a guy like Kenrich stick um, after the deadline and not get traded away is because, like I said, that's the kind of guy that you want uh, on your team to to put around some of these elite stars like a Shea and whoever, a Poku, <laughs> and whoever else that you draft in the upcoming drafts. Um, so Kenrich had 12.7 rebounds, nine assists, two steals, and I threw this other stat in there because it just shows how aggressive he is, how he's fearless no matter what five fouls. And I love that. I love it. Diving on the floor, going for loose balls, uh, trying to get rebounds, you know, just always aggressive making the right plays. I talked about some of those cuts that he had. I love that he had five fouls. That's fantastic. You need some of that that grit that he brings to the floor. And uh, again, I I really hope to see Kenrich continue to play like this first and foremost, moving forward, but also um, stick with his team long-term as a you know, kind of reposition themselves to uh, to still a turn from Sam Presti to a contention again. So, um, like I said, he, oh, at one point he was bleeding. I think I mentioned this at the beginning of the podcast, bleeding, Rami I made Nick Collison. Just, I love it. I love it. So, uh, Kendrick Williams, my first positive. My next one I have here, I won't go quite as long on, but Moses Brown, he still had another, Mos- another Moses double, another double-double, 13 points, 11 rebounds, um, more monster dunks, just super aggressive. I really love what we continue to see from Moses in terms of, like I said, his aggressiveness, uh, his ability to use his size to his advantage. You know, a lot of times you see guys that are that big and they really struggle because they're either slow, um, maybe not so much passive, but just genuinely slow, maybe even a little clumsy, um, but not so much of Moses has great and high coordination, obviously. And I love how he's always going for the dunks. Like there is a play – excuse me in the second half where i think i think it was tied Jerome, i can't remember exactly but somebody went to the rim got fouled um they they missed you know their their layup that they got fouled on um but the whistle had already blown and here comes moses out of nowhere and with the putback dunk <laughs> because he was he couldn't stop himself by the time that the whistle had blown and i just i love that he's always looking for that you know he's not a stretch he's never really going to be a stretch big i don't think he's going to be a modern big but uh he certainly is good at the role that he plays and it's going to be really interesting to watch him long-term um, where he kind of fits in the league and make potentially even this Thunder organization long-term if he is kind of almost a Nerdlands Noel type um, or like a lot of people have said just due to his height a Boban type in the league we will see but I wanted to go ahead and throw Moses in, in there tonight even though I think he probably could have had more points more rebounds against a team like the Cavaliers. So two more really quick, and then we'll uh, get into these unique Thunder sightings that I'm excited to talk about, and I'll, I'll get you guys up here. Uh, we'll talk a little bit, answer some locker room and Twitter questions and get out of here, but Teo Maldon, Um, overall, not like a high-popping game from him, especially after last night when he had another 25 points alongside Poku and just looked incredible, but 14 points on 6 of 17 shooting, 1 of 6 from 3, but the thing I love the most about that is he shot six times from three Um, he shot another 17 times from the floor i love aggressive Teo. i love what we were seeing from him i know he doesn't necessarily have a ton of assists but what he's doing is creating um opportunities for teammates and you know i I just i think this this period with shay and with lou and so many other players out um, but specifically those two being guards um has really given Teo an opportunity to advance his um not his career (laughs) um but just really kind of get more experience, I I think, with this offense, with this system, and just more confidence overall in his game. It's almost like this is almost like Teo's bubble, right? He didn't go down to the G League for obvious reasons, and I think that was best for him because he got a lot of good experience alongside Shea and Lou and Al when everybody was still playing, right, and when Poku and Moses and guys like that went down to the G League. So this little stretch right here has kind of been his quote-unquote G League, and we've seen him make leaps um, against actual NBA talent, though, and not so much – um, G League uh, caliber players like some of these other guys, and so uh, when they went out the G League bubble, so uh, I really haven't impressed with Teo. Even if he didn't have it necessarily a as great of a night as he did last night, um, he scored eight points early on. Like I said, he looked like the Teo last night, and then only ended up with six points the rest of the game. Um, so that's obviously not great. But you know, he was in foul trouble. He's exhausted. Second, I have a back to back. He's been playing a lot of minutes here recently. Like I mentioned, uh, quite a bit here throughout the podcast, and um, and. I think just overall, um, I, I just love seeing his aggressiveness. So, Teo's another guy through there in the positives. And last but not, but not least, saved him on for last on purpose, Ty Jerome. Um, he didn't hit a single shot last night <laughs> against the um, against the Hornets, but he scores a career high 23 points, nine of 16 shooting, five of nine from three. I just, again, I, I mentioned aggressiveness with Teo, um, but in a different way, I loved. I loved um, Ty's aggressiveness in terms of his shot, um, his outside shooting. That really opens up not only the floor for his teammates, but um, it opens up the lanes and, and the driving lanes for him and and his game as well. And him being able to uh, not only you know be a spot up shooter, but also just it, it just opens up so much more versatility for his game. Um, he mentioned that, and I don't think it was tonight. Maybe it was last night, a couple games ago, earlier this, whenever it was. Um, He mentioned the coaching staff wanting him to be more aggressive with that three point shot. And we've been, uh, we've been seeing that for him here. We saw that for him tonight. And, you know, if he can continue to do that, especially when you're pairing him long-term with guys, and I say long-term like being like next season, everybody's fully healthy. You're competing um, somewhat (laughs) again, assuming we're competing again at that point Uh, at least early on in the season. You have like Shea and everybody healthy around him. Um, You're throwing tie in like alongside a guy like Shea, that's going to open up driving lanes for Shea when when Ty is hitting those shots. Um, and, you know, and, and Shea can really uh, play make and, um, and and create for Ty as well. And so I'm really excited to kind of watch how he fits with this team long term. I, I know I'm saying that about a lot of these young guys, which is kind of like, you know, again, that, that's the point of this roster exploration uh, period, <laughs> which is what the Thunder coaching staff is kind of calling this period right now with all these Thunder players out. Um, but Ty has looked great. I'm really excited about him. Uh, and think that is a piece that the the Thunderview. I shouldn't say long term because that you know kind of infers that maybe you know five or so seasons um, with him. But at least over the next couple of seasons, I think it is a guy that they're invested in, and so he's been fun to watch. It's been fun to watch his development, and definitely a a nice piece, young piece to continue to add on to this young core. So, um, oh yeah, one. I guess one other positive. They don't mention just a, a quick little aside in his um, press game interviews that he was doing with the media. He mentioned, um, you know, that the Thunder are getting to a period, you know, where they're uh, finally about to get some guys back. Obviously, he's probably talking about guys like Poku, or sorry, uh, like Roby and Hall. Um, but I would not be shocked to see Lou Dort come back here soon. There's only so long that you can hold a guy out due to a concussion. And I kind of think that Presti and, and Lou and the Thunder are kind of stretching uh, that boundary there. Um, so I I, I don't know, maybe Lou will miracula- miraculously um for the Thunder, you know, get some like random injury that they can throw in the injury report and send them out long the term. <laughs> but I don't think that's the case. Uh I, I think Lou will be back on the court shortly, maybe even as soon as Saturday, we will see. And to be completely honest with you guys, I mean, obviously this has been. Great for the Thunder and their picks, um, but I am excited to see guys like Lou get back on the court. Shea's going to be interesting. Um, I heard Royce Young say recently um, on a podcast that it, it, he's under the impression of it's both Shea and um, the Thunder's intent to get Shea back on the court as soon as possible. Or Sorry, maybe not as soon as possible to get him back on the court before the end of the season, so we'll see. But... Um, I think Shay's going to be much more long-term. He's not really anywhere close, would be my opinion, where I think we could see Lou as soon as this weekend, if not, maybe on Monday's game.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to Indeed data,
1: So again, I think that's all I have really from tonight's game. But like I mentioned, some uh some interesting things happened with the OKC Thunder today in terms of signing signings and, and how it lines up with um tomorrow's date, which is the last day to wave a player in the NBA. Um the Thunder apparently signed Gabriel Deck, <laughs> a six foot six forward from Argentina. Uh, he played in the Euro League for Real Madrid. Uh, per Shema DeLucas, uh, mebalancesto.com, um, he's expected, he being Gabriel, is expected to sign a three-year deal, which is really surprising. Um, again, there's a lot I think that could go into that. Um, it doesn't mean that he's going to have three years guaranteed. It could very much be like a quote-unquote three-year deal like we've seen Moses Brown have with the Thunder or Lou Dort have with the Thunder, right? Um, I know not necessarily three years, but just in terms of how the contract could be uh, constructed, it doesn't necessarily have to be guaranteed. It could literally be guaranteed for the rest of this season and the the last two years non-guaranteed. I mean, there's no telling how they're going to structure it, but it still is very interesting if the Thunder are willing to bring him in um, you know, with that kind of contract rather than just a 10 day, which wouldn't make him, I understand that wouldn't make him want to come from overseas to play for the thunder. Um, but regardless, it's going to be very interesting to see the details here, probably within the next 24 hours to 48 hours, um, you know, after the, the wave deadline, um, comes through or, or whatever. Uh, we'll see who the thunder end up waving. There's been, you know, we, we all have talked about Muskie getting an opportunity with the playoff team. Um, We've talked about Darius Miller. Potentially, we'll see. Um, also, you have the 10-day contract right coming up um, that that will end here sometime next week with Jerome. Or I, say, I always want to say Jerome Robinson <laughs> with um, Justin Robinson currently on a 10-day with the Thunder. So that will open up a roster spot. You don't. It, that's not like a two-way where you have to fill that spot with another 10-day player. And that's just going to be another open roster spot. So that'll at least open up one. It's going to be really interesting to see, um, when Gabriel plays, uh, which spot he takes. Does the Thunder Wave any more players? Uh, oh, sorry, I didn't even mention this part. Uh, he went undrafted in 2017. He's 26 years old and averaging 8 points, 3.7 rebounds, 1.2 assists in 24 minutes. But he had 19 points in a Wednesday night's win to help send Real Madrid to the playoffs. The regular season's over. The Thunder make the call, and he apparently is a has probably landed at this point in OKC. Um, so I, I find it interesting again that he's also 26 years old. I really think the Thunder are just <laughs> elite in their scouting. Um, Pressy is unique in the way that he, you know, views everything. Um, always trying to do something different than the other GMs rather than just using that last roster spot as like a 10 day rotation of a a rotation of 10 day players as like almost like a sword tryouts. He's thinking, you know, we've had our eyes on this kid or guy, 26 years old. He's basically my age (laughs) from overseas. Why not bring him in, see what he's capable of. That's why I think this is probably like an end of the year, end of the season deal and then two year non-guarantees type thing uh, where he can still make some money if they decide to waive him and it'll make it worth his time to come over, even if he gets waived, but the Thunder also get an opportunity to view him. Um, and it, it's a player that they otherwise probably wouldn't have been able to do that if it weren't for this season and this situation with injuries and everything else. That's kind of my, I guess, hypothesis on this guy. Um, it'll be really interesting to watch him how he fits with his team and how many minutes he actually gets going forward. But um, I, I kind of think that's probably Presti's thought process when it comes to him. Now, I mentioned the reporter, uh, Shema De Lucas. Sheyma also reports that uh, this, <laughs> Vasilije Mijic has rejected a renewal offer from Real Madrid and will play for OKC. Actually, I don't know if he played for Real Madrid. I think I butchered that. Um, he played, I recently saw it, but regardless, he was overseas as well. Um, and will, he will play for OKC next season. Now, you guys might remember, Mijic, Um, His draft rights were traded to OKC in a Horford trade this past offseason. Now, he's also an older older player, 27-year-old guard, drafted in the 2014 draft by the Sixers, basically a draft in stash overseas. He's also serving in like Poku, which is kind of cool. And this is, uh, I actually got this from Brandon of Daily Thunder, shout out to him. Um, 16.4 points per game, 2.7 rebounds, 5 assists, 1.2 steals, um, pretty decent shooting splits. So uh, it's going to be pretty interesting (laughs) to see where he fits as well, because you also have Vitt, who they drafted, uh, the Thunder drafted this in this past draft. Um, A lot of international players that they're bringing over, where do they all fit with the roster moving forward? You know, obviously they have potentially up to like another three draft picks in this um, upcoming draft. There's going to be a lot of young players, a lot, not so many roster spots. It's going to be interesting to see how Pressy balances this all, but he's already making promises, right? To at least the first two guys that we mentioned. Um, and, and it's going to be interesting to see, like I said, were these guys like two A contracts, full contracts? How do they fit with the team long term, especially with them being a little older than guys like Shea and then obviously the rookies that the Thunder are going to be drafting long term? But I will say this about Michik. Um, a lot of uh, NBA fans and specifically Sixers fans <laughs> are really excited about him. Um, it, it, they they've watched him for a long time ever since the basically the Sixers drafted him in two thousand fourteen or got his draft rights. Um, they they followed him overseas. He's had a really good career there, um, and they think he can make an impact back over in the NBA. In fact, somebody that we follow, and I am going blank now, um, who is who does cover the the Sixers, um, actually tweeted out, you know, that he was excited that Vichik sorry Michick, will have a chance in the NBA, Um, but he was sad that wasn't going to be with the Sixers. So, again, just what a perfect opportunity for St. Presti to take swings on guys like this and to bring them over, Um, and and in an instance, I think, when he probably wouldn't have um, prior to this and other seasons, right, and it's just the perfect opportunity. Everything's kind of lined up for him to be able to do this. I'm just curious how he's going to balance bringing in guys like this Compared to uh, or not compared to, but in addition to um, draft picks with so many draft picks coming up, but specifically this upcoming draft, like I mentioned, I think there will be like three draft picks that we'll have. So obviously there's there's going to be going to be some efforts, I think, from pressy to combine draft picks and trade up in the draft. But that is um, another locker room chat for another day. So, uh, oh, and then I forgot about this. So as, you, as many Thunder fans know, and for those of you who aren't Thunder fans who are tuning in, a shout-out Noah. saw him join the chat. Uh, one of our good friends who joined us fairly recently, um, to, who covers the uh, San Antonio Spurs. So Noah may not know this, but um, for all of you who don't, the Thunder, whenever they bring in a new player, um, Sam Presti and the organization always bring, makes them go through um, or encourages them to go through the OKC bombing memorial. Um, from the terrible bombing back in, I guess, 1996. Um, and so uh, that, that's been a tradition ever since the Thunder came here in 2008, I believe, um, is when they started it. It might have been a little after they came here in 2008, but regardless, it's been here for a long time. And so there's a picture, uh, I think it was from ThunderCare's Twitter account, but I can't remember that now, bad podcasting, um, but of some of the newer players like Tony Bradley, who was just recently traded, you know, Jalen Horde, um, uh, the, you know, all the two-way players who recently signed, uh, uh, Robinson, like I mentioned earlier in the podcast. All these guys went through and were going through the memorial um, as basically required by the Thunder organization. But there was a mystery player in the first picture at the very end of the photo. He had on the same hoodie as the rest of the guys, but nobody really like the Thunder, the OKC Thunder player hoodie. He was in jeans, but nobody really knows who he is. So I am uh, extremely interested to see who that is. You know, a lot of us Thunder fans that we tweeted out from our account. Um, I know Steven Dolan, a Steve Thunder fan, tweeted out as well. That's why I think when I first saw it, um, quite a few people were tweeting out wondering who is this? <laughs> is this a player? You know, there's a chance um, our own Justin Peabody um, from our podcast mentioned this as well. Maybe it is a um a, like a, a somebody on the staff who just recently was hired but he looks young <laughs> he he kind of looks like an nba player he's pretty tall pretty fit um so very curious to see who that is is, is he going to be another you know, guy on a on a 10-way contract or a 10-day contract I, I don't know um but regardless i uh, thought i would throw that out there as well so a lot of fun interesting stuff still happening at this part of the season for the thunder even with the trade deadline being over so at this point whoever wants to speak, um, go ahead and jump on. I haven't really gotten to scroll through the chat yet. So while I'm waiting for you guys to request to speak, I'll uh, go through there and see if there's any questions I can answer. I also asked for some Twitter questions. I don't know. <laughs> I've gone longer than I thought I would on here. So i um, not sure if I'll be able to get to those. And I apologize. But um, if none of you guys request to speak, I'll go to Twitter and answer some of those as well. So don't be afraid to hit that button. Um, Jack McFadden, 20 minutes ago, said, I got a question I want to ask. I'm not sure if he's still in here, but if you are Jack, go ahead and hit that request and uh, come up here and ask a question. Uh, let's see, a lot of comments, not so many questions. <laughs> um, so Noah asked, um, that's an interesting tradition um, in regards to the uh, having the players go through the bombing memorial. Any particular reason why? So obviously th- this was a um, horrible um, domestic terrorism um, event that happened or event. Um, thing that happened um my gosh i mean almost 26 years ago i guess um and it really is deeply rooted in the tradition um of oklahoma city um and, and the history i guess i should say of oklahoma city and um Pressy is very much uh, and the thunder organization as a whole are very deeply rooted um, within oklahoma city and, and the city as a whole um they really you know when they first got here um, it, it's a little different now the okc has grown so much but when they first got here back in 2008, you know OKC was known for being a blue-collar, hardworking city. Um, the Thunder really tried to embrace that, especially with some of these these young guys like Russell Westbrook and Kem Durant coming in. Um, you know, it just it, it really kind of fits seam, seamlessly with the Thunder in Oklahoma City. Um, but the the one of the major things I think that Preston really focused on was integrating the team with, within the community. And one of the best ways he felt he could do that was by um, teaching them of the history of the city and and having them go through um, that memorial, which is just such a a huge um, a huge event in in USA history, but um, also again especially for the city. It's a really moving, uh, moving experience. Noah, if you ever get the chance, be sure to, and if you're ever in Oklahoma City, definitely. Um, I, I know that doesn't sound like a fun thing to do, but it's just uh, really, really incredible and moving to to go through that museum and memorial. And I highly encourage all of you to do that if you haven't already. So that was a really good question from Noah. Uh, let's see. I just had one from my little brother. I don't know where it went. Uh, okay, so here's silver reports that two international players turned down playing in Spain, and those were the two that I mentioned, uh, Gabriel Deck, and the other one was Michik. Um, Again, that the the player at the Thunder got the draft rights from the Philadelphia 76ers in the Horford trade. So Silver asks, what do you see in them, and why, why did they want to turn down those opportunities to come and play for the Thunder? So the second part of that question is the easiest. Obviously, the Thunder promised them something (laughs) Well, for lack of a better term, promising. Right. Um, I kind of mentioned that with deck, that um, a a multi-year contract where he was at least guaranteed some money would make some sense. Once we see those details, I expect it to be something similar to that. Um, And then I think just for, uh, you know, Mijic, just looking for the right opportunity to come over. um, I think with a team like the Sixers, you have Ben Simmons and other guards around him, primarily Probably just wasn't the right opportunity for him to come over, um, and he probably wasn't the money either that he was hoping to get to come over because they both were probably – or at least Mijic was probably put, uh, paid fairly well overseas um, compared to like a minimum contract in the NBA. So I would assume bigger roles, um, similar money to what they were making, and an opportunity to prove themselves in the league to to answer the last part of your question, Silver. Uh, and what do I see in them? Honestly, I see two kind of hidden gems. You know, we, we talk about the Thunder, uh, for example, they were one of the first uh, one of the first franchises really that I know that were out there scouting uh, alongside like the Hawks and maybe the Bucks. Maybe those were the three, uh, three organizations, really scouting Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, we know that they were linked to uh, Porzingis and, and that first draft that he, he submitted for and then ended up pulling out of um, the Thunder were heavily rumored to have a lot of interest into him and, um, and then obviously, like pokshevsky I think is the most recent and best example. They scout internationally. And so, like I said, a season like this, even a season like next season, are the perfect opportunity to bring in some of these prospects that they have um, have been looking at rather for a long time in the case of somebody maybe like um, like Deck, who is 26 years old, um, Michik, who I don't know if they have necessarily scouted that you know scouted that entire time with him the draft rights being with the Sixers, um, but just, like I said, just a perfect opportunity to bring them in, see what they can do, um, especially when you have these these roster spots open rather than just rotating out ten uh, day contracts and, and players within the G League or wherever else, bring in some of these guys and see what they can do. So I, I, that's not the best maybe answer to that question, Silver, obviously. Um, I'm kind of in the dark here as well. I can't, I'm can't. i not going to lie and pretend like I've done anything else than just like watch a couple of YouTube videos of him. But all that to say, um, I, I'm super just intrigued and, again, impressed with Presti for taking another unconventional route um, with, with something different in the NBA, right? <laughs> and just shows um, how, how incredibly incredibly intelligent he is and good at his job he is but we'll see if either of these guys even turn out to be anything. So thank you guys again. Um, I know none of you guys jumped on, but that's okay. You guys give me a ton of great questions, a ton of really good content. Uh, and I'm sorry to all of those, all those of you who submitted questions on Twitter that I wasn't able to get to. Um, you guys know me, I can talk for a long time and uh, here we are. So thank you guys again for tuning in to the uncontested post game podcast. I didn't mention this at the beginning. We are a proud part of Blue Wire Podcast Network. It's the official podcast of Go Town Hoops. Stay tuned. We will have you guys cover Saturday night as the Thunder face the 76ers um, at 8 p.m. Central Time. It's a little bit of a later game for a Saturday night. That'll be fun. So be sure to, to stay tuned. We'll have you guys covered for that. I think our guy Justin is on the game. Um, and we'll have you guys covered the rest of the season. We're really excited, have some fun things planned. Obviously, we're gonna be looking at draft prospects here and uh, continuing to follow the thunder picks. So uh stay tuned. Thank you guys again as always, under up.